All right, welcome to another edition of Advantage Connors coming to you on a rain-soaked night from Los Angeles, California. I've had drizzles all day. How's it going up the coast in Santa Barbara, Jimmy? Is it uh, a little rainy up there too, Pops? Yeah, we got uh, we, we got a little rain up here. It's uh, you know, but it's interesting that this year I've heard a lot of the old sayings, you know, El Nino and atmospheric rivers and and things like that that are that are going to be coming our way uh, in our rainy season, which actually actually starts now. We're in November. It goes usually through February. So that's when we're supposed to get all our rain. So atmospheric rivers, El Nino, you know, maybe that's a good thing. But uh, yeah. yeah, but it's been a good day. And and uh, I know you've got, you know, an, an anniversary down that way. Tell me about that. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting the rain either. I rolled out of bed this morning and uh, it was pouring. I was supposed to go play golf with a, a coworker buddy. And uh, we texted each other. It's a walking only. It's just a little par three pin mark course here in uh, Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. And we were like, mm, might have to push it back till Friday uh, once this passes. <laughs> but uh, yes, I, I, I don't bl- I don't blame you. But, uh, you, 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 you know, I, I know uh, it's an important day because, uh, you know, I, what was it? I think five years ago uh, today kind of changed your life, right? That's right. You and Melina. Yes. Five years ago tonight, we were at the airport cargo area waiting for a special delivery on the uh, night flight from Atlanta she came in from. So she went from Columbus to Atlanta, had a long layover that was delayed, and then Isabella, the mini golden doodle, arrived on the scene, Los Angeles International Airport. We picked her up, and uh, she's been with us ever since. She's sitting under my feet right now as we record. So, uh, yep, five years tonight we've had her as part of the family, and uh, it's been a joy, and it's gone too fast, to be honest. It's going really fast. Yeah, it, it does. But, uh, you know, what you were raised with, you know, animals your whole life, Brett, and, uh, you know, dogs and cats and horses and, you know, sheep and, you know, whatever we had on, on a ranch when we lived in uh, in San Inez. And so you were used to that noise, right? The, yep. You know, the oh, yeah. uh, the dogs in and out, the feeding the dogs and taking them for their runs and, you know, and doing all that. But Melina, a different story. Right. First dog. First dog, she had a guinea pig, I think, but uh, never a dog. And uh, I think she she's wondering why she didn't get one sooner because uh, she sure loves uh, Isabella. They are buddies. Well, <laughs> well, she's uh, she she's got she's got two homes. She's got yours, and she's also you know got our home up here because I know when she's up here, you know our uh, our little mini schnauzer bogey. They rule the roost when they're here, running and playing and. And, uh, you know, the evenings are worn out from being uh, being out and going all day. So give her a hug for, you know, for, from us up here and we'll see her, I'm sure, next week. But, uh, yeah, things have been going good. What's going on with you? What's going on with you? Lat- well, uh, but not so good. A couple weeks ago, <laughs> you were going too hard. We said to, to, that you should take a break, get off your feet. Then last week, you were recouped. You had recharged, taken a couple days off. And then now give us the update. Where are we at now? Yeah, I, you know, I I uh, I got recharged and I felt really good. I took a couple of days off and and uh, I, you know played very little golf and and very little tennis and uh, you know got away from everything and and kind of recharged my battery and got going. But uh, it was funny. Last you know four or five days ago, I went out and you know played my my normal tennis. Then went and played nine holes. Felt great. Came home, had dinner, woke up the the, the next morning, couldn't walk. Mm. So I'm going what the hell happened here? So I think, well, you know, did I take a bad step? Did I, you know, step on, you know, I don't know what, I was trying to think everything that I could have done. It didn't hurt when you, know, you went that, to bed? Uh, no, 
Hmm. No, had no pain at all until the next morning. Weird. And uh, so, so I, you know, I took a couple of days off Friday and, and Saturday and iced it and took care of it and kept it up. And, you know, I've been through this before, but you know that, and, <laughs> and uh, I kind of know how to take care of it. So mm-hmm. it was, it was getting no better, actually it was getting worse. So I called uh, our, our, you know, my friend uh, who took care of me, you know, 32 years ago with, Yep. Friend uh, of the pod. Wrist and and uh, yeah, a friend of our a friend of the pod, Dr. Scheinberg. And he says, Well, you better come see me tomorrow morning. <laughs> so <laughs> so I did. And uh, you MRI. know, went in and saw him and and I went through I went through everything today. I had uh, the MRI on my knee and you know, blow, blowing out your knee is not a fun thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I just hope it's not uh, you know to the point where I have to get a, a total knee replacement. And cleaning I can take, or you know, what, what whatever needs to be done. But you know, your mom went through that total knee replacement, and and that is brutal. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I helped her through that. And boy, oh boy, if I can avoid that, that would be uh, a big plus. But yeah, you know, right now I'm a little gimpy, but I have uh, uh, this week I have I have an appointment with him again, and to go in and, and, uh, you know, talk over what the best thing to do would be and, you know, how to take care of it and, and, uh, what, what needs to be done. Yeah. So, All you right. know, some, some, sometimes you just gotta, you know, you're, you're right. You gotta quit pushing so hard. I think it's your body telling you something. You gotta just relax, take it easy a little bit. <laughs> uh, and then, you know what I'm taking, I'm taking your advice and I'm taking my body's advice. So I'm going to start chilling a little bit more. Yep. You're right. And it gives you plenty of time yep. to talk to me and to do the podcast, baby. Let's go. That's even better. <laughs> that's, even, that's even better. Watch out. We might start doing two a week. Watch oh, yeah. Out. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> all right. I don't want to keep you long. I want you to get back. Uh, you know what you should use are those uh, compression things, those things that we got um, when we go to the cryo, you know, and then you put your legs in them and they kind of compress. With, maybe that make make it feel better. And, I don't know. Actually, that's not a bad idea. I'm going to go. Uh, I'll go look for those as soon as, uh, as soon as I get off with you right here. But, okay. Uh, that's, that that sounds like a good idea. Okay. So what what else? What's going on in the tennis world? I know that there's got to be a tournament someplace. It's a it's a three three hundred sixty five day a year event, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Women are done for the year. We talked about that last week. But the ATP finals, baby, are going on now. When you played, it was called the Masters. That's going on in Turin, Italy. This will come out Friday, and so not sure exactly what happens, but uh, people looking good so far. Medvedev is uh, looking like he'll be in the next round. Sinner. Sinner looks really good. He beat uh, mm. Joker in, in a really good three-set match. I think it was 7-5 or 7-6 in the third yesterday. Wow. So, um, you know, in front of the home Italian crowd, it's, it's good to see him, like, he just keeps, he's, like, stepping up, man. He just kind of keeps, you know, getting better and better. And, and this run he's on, uh, he's one of those guys where you think he doesn't want the year to end. You know, he'd almost keep playing and playing if he could just uh, to keep this hot spell going. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that, like, I looked up the stats. You won, you won the Masters in '77, I think, and then uh, yep. you won the, the WCT, right? So there's kind of two things that were Masters like. There was the Masters, which is the ATP Finals, and then there was the WCT, which was what was that? The World Championships of yeah, Tennis. Well, World Championship Tennis, which was uh, Lamar Hunt, who started the Kansas City Chiefs. Exactly. Started the the Chiefs and he got involved in tennis and, and kind of created his own circuit where he, you know, went and, and signed up the best players and, and uh, at the time. And, you know, I, I, uh, I, I had my loyalty uh, in a lot of ways towards Bill Reardon, who also had a circuit. So I played that 
that amount of tournaments for a while at the very beginning, but eventually got into the WCT and and uh, and, and played uh, played a lot of the tournaments. And then in in their their final, the WCT final was was in Dallas. Oh yeah. At first, it was at uh, I can't remember, but it, uh, but I'll think about it. Then it turned out to be a reunion arena, which is where the basketball was uh, was played for a long period of time. And uh, to be honest with you, Brett, the crowds there were amazing. I mean, they came out and supported the event. And uh, you know, Mr. Hunt was uh, was from that area, and you know what he did and his marketing and his promotion and his team to you know to make that event something special was uh, and it really was something special and you know which was a uh, which was a great thing but then but the whole year was the rest of the tournaments also so you know you could have played WCT you could have played Reardon circuit you could have played the ATP I mean it was it was uh, you know the alphabet uh, circuits going <laughs> around you could have right. played anywhere you wanted and and then at the end of the year you took the eight best players like they do now and you 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 played the Masters, and at that time it was in Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. which was an amazing sight. And you know, back in the seventies and you know the early eighties, and you know when when tennis was was really you know cooking, you know the the crowds were amazing, you know the the fans were amazing, you know the people who came to watch were anybody and everybody, you know football, baseball, basketball movie stars, television stars, sports stars, you know, it was, it was a huge event. And, and, you know, also playing in the garden was something special, yeah. you know, with the, uh, you know, with the, the reputation that that had. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, tennis back then was, you know, I don't make fun, but I, I say, you know, 365 days a year, 52 weeks or whatever, you know, but tennis back then was the same, you know, if, well, if when you was it? It was, in de- it was in December, right? The masters. No, it was in January. Yeah, it was in January. So I, I won the Masters in 77, but but it was for the uh, 76 year, 1976 year. And then so, so then, so then people would be expected to get on a plane and go down to Australia, like right after the Masters? Because it wasn't no, Australia. Austra- Australia was before back then, son. Oh, Australia you know, was before Australia- the Masters from the previous year. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. It was a mass. So the Australian Open was back then was over Christmas and and New Year's. Right. And then they they'd come back, you know, and and uh, and play the Masters then. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, there was. Uh, I mean, that's weird. Would they be playing? Would that Australia go towards that Masters or next year's Masters? Next year's Masters. <laughs> Next year's Masters. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. That's yeah, it, perfect. Yeah, listen, listen. <laughs> all, all I did was show up and play where I was told. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, we'd like you to play this event. All right. What's that worth to you? All right. I'm good. That's funny. <laughs> you know, so, but it was, uh, you know, the, the tennis back then was, you know, pretty much year round also. You know, we were playing into November. Then you come back and, you know, have a, a little time off. And then if you played Australia, you know, you'd have to head down to Australia. Right. You know, and get ready to play because it was Christmas over Christmas and New Year. And, and uh, so it was, uh, yeah, I mean, tennis was in, and still is, I guess, uh, you know, you can play as much as you want. But, you know, looking back, you know, but back then it was it was different. We were, you know, guys were chasing money and, and you know, I was one of them trying to make a living. And, you know, so if you had a week off or two weeks off, you were 
you know, trying to put in a, uh, uh, events where you get paid to play or exhibition weeks or special event weeks or, or whatever. So that, uh, so that you could, you know, uh, make yeah. a living. So, but, uh, yeah, but, that's cool. yeah, it was fun, fun, fun days. I put up a, a picture, I think it's from 1980 masters and it's that, that classic picture is you, Mac, Borg and Lindell. And you're all in like a completely different vibe. Like Max in his Davis Cup uniform. Lindell looks like a lumberjack. He's clean shaven. He's got kind of a plaid, you know, red plaid, uh, bounty, bounty, uh, you know, towel shirt. You have a funky outfit. You have a beard for one. You have your your patented bowl cut, which you have uh, passed down to me. <laughs> Our hair does absolutely nothing. It takes it takes no curl. It's just so straight. And you have yep. a full beard, but then you kind of have this little vest. And you, you got you got to explain to me this outfit. And then Borg's got his fila uh, sweater over a collared shirt, and his hair slicked back, and he's clean shaven. So you're the only one with I, facial I hair. Maybe, maybe I was country when country wasn't cool. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you yeah, always we kind of had a little bit of country you like country you like country music a little bit and you like western movies so maybe you yep. were kind of uh kind of dipping into that yeah you know back then you know uh the, the western look was was kind of cool and and you know we even though we were living in florida at, at that time we were looking to you know to to spread out a little bit and we uh, we came west and and uh, looked for a ranch which we found in in the san Ynez valley and and, uh, you know, ended up having some horses and things, which is, uh, you know, which is really, you know, kind of cool. But, hey, I, I guess, uh, you know, the look was what it was. You know, I got up one morning and, you know, that looked cool. So I put it on. I don't now, know. Was mom styling you or did you did you go? Was that you solo? Were you were you? I better. I better take that as me being solo. I don't think your mom wants to, you know. What, you know she doesn't want to claim that one. The, she don't want to claim that one. No. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you wore it though, because I mean, it makes the picture great. Because each one of you guys, it'd be goofy if you all had your like, you know, tennis outfit on, your sweatsuit on, no. or something. The fact you that know, it's that, totally when, different when looks that, is great. That was the best thing about the about the days there. Better is is that you know everybody had their own look, their own personality, their own charisma, their own game, their own everything. You know, and, and they owned it. Mm-hmm. You know, you you know showed up with a beard and a vest and cowboy boots one day. Yeah, I owned it. Yeah, I did. You know, uh, you know, Linda. So, I mean, you know, nobody was gonna, you know, say anything different. They're, they weren't gonna come in and say, you know, where'd you get that look? No. <laughs> you know what the hell? What are you, what are you gonna say? I mean, you're you American. Know, but, uh, I mean, American yeah, was, cowboy, right? It, it was. It, yeah, it was fun days. Fun yeah. days. All right, let's talk about this year's Masters. I don't want to talk results because it'll date it. But uh, one thing I want to talk about is a player who needs to win. He lost his first match against Zverev and then came back today, beat Rublev, won Carlos Alcaraz, who uh, had like a little, I think, three three, three or four match losing streak that he mm-hmm. that finally came to an end. He was in the news after his match with Zverev, along with a lot of other people who have been talking about the subject. We talked about it with Darren Cahill when he came on to, uh, to recap the U.S. Open in September. Um, the topic of the tennis balls, we've even talked about it a little bit. But, um, you know, the tennis balls, the fact that there's no universal ball for tennis, you know, that Mm -hmm. uh, every week it can be a different, you know, obviously if it's a different surface, you know, you know, maybe you change the balls. But the fact that I think I saw a quote that says they've played something like 20 or 21 different balls on the ATP tour this year. And Carlos Alcaraz came out and, you know, talked about it. And, you know, he's like, what do you say? They should do something because it's incredible that in three or three or four tournaments in a row, each one has a different ball. He said, I think I'm not mistaken, we have played 20 or 21 different balls throughout the year. 
what do you think about this uh, idea? Because it seems like it's leading to a lot well, of injuries, yeah, a lot of a lot of wrists, a lot of shoulders. I know Vondrasova was complaining about shoulder yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's crazy because uh, you know uh, the interesting thing is you know mo- most of the the surfaces have turned out to be about the same, though. <laughs> you, you know the you know the bounce and and uh, you know the way the ball bounces up and you know but but uh, you know changing the ball. I mean. Uh, you know, just the the little bit of tennis that I play. I mean, I you know I use you know a ball here and a ball there, whatever. I know some of the balls you know, we go out and, and we we play with them for five or ten minutes. I mean, holy climbingly, the ball is is uh, is huge, hmm. you know. And then and then the effort you have to put on, you know, put into it. And you know, I, I guess that's where you're getting these. I don't know, fifteen, twenty. 25 ball rallies is, is that, you know, it, it's, it's probably difficult to put the ball away. Right. But then on the other hand, Alcarez men, uh, mentioned that uh, the, the court, uh, you know, where he's playing now this week is too fast, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, the balls are too heavy. The courts are too fast. You know, how, how, how can you please everybody? I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know how, how that's going to work. I think they're two different things. I mean, the, the court speed's whatever. Like, uh, he's got to learn that indoor tennis is supposed to be a little faster. You know what I mean? Like, it, all, every tournament can't be Indian Wells with those sticky, sticky courts. But you're right. Uh, you said it. Uh, here's a quote from Medvedev. He's like, as soon as you play some shots with them, they go very big, much fluffy. It becomes like a grapefruit. We're basically playing 30-shot rallies because it's almost impossible to hit a winner. So he's like, he's, he's echoing right. the same thing you're saying. It, it, it's like, what's going on? Are they, are they creating the balls to try and, 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 you know, create a certain type of play? Like, are they trying to like, you know, make more rallies because that's the type of tennis they want to be played? Or, you know, like, it doesn't, it seems weird that they wouldn't go talk to the players and be like, you know, how do they feel? Is it too heavy? Because it seems like a lot of them are also heavy. Yeah. They're heavy, they're fluffy, they're big. You know, they make, yeah. you know, they make the rallies longer. You have to work harder to put shots away, which over time is just going to beat these guys and girls up. Yeah, uh, beat them up is right and and create more injuries, you know, and, and you know, with the equipment that they have today, the, the rackets and, and the string and so forth. And now with the balls being heavy, the rackets are so light. You know that what what do they have to do? Do they have to generate all that speed now on their own? So, you know, with a, with a ball like that, is there going to be wrist injuries and elbow injuries and shoulder injuries? And you know, uh, you know, what, how's that going to affect a lot of the players? You right. know, so I mean, it's uh, I don't know, but but I, I I know we've talked about it, Brad. Is, is that some tournaments they have a deal with a certain ball? You know, so you know, I guess you got to follow the money too somewhere along the line, don't you? Yep. And and figure out who's getting paid what to you know to have their ball on there. If it's a bigger tournament, if it's a if it's a one thousand, you know, uh, you know what's your contract like there. If it's a five hundred, what's your contract like there? Mm-hmm. But I don't know. But I know for the very little bit of tennis that I play, you know, with these balls, it's brutal, you know, and 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 it's almost you know to a point where you know I can just stand back there and hit balls. I don't think I can miss a ball. Yeah, you know. And, Unless I really just tried to, you know, get on top of one and and to put a little extra effort into it. Because if you don't time it perfectly, then, uh, you know, I found out that I'd miss it. You know, but if I was just willing to to stand back and to stroke and and to, you know, take my time and to keep the ball in play and all that, it's kind of hard to miss it. You know, even playing with, you know, uh, old style gut that I still play with, you know, so I don't know. It's... You know, it's it's questionable, you know, but when you have the players, you know, coming out and, and uh, you know, making statements like that, I mean, I, I think somewhere down the line, 
you know, they're going to have to look into it because the guys that are selling the tickets uh, and, and bringing the fans in are, are the ones that are complaining. So you're going to have to maybe sit down and talk to them and figure out, you know, what, you know, what the, the right thing to do is so that, uh, you know, that they can continue to be out there playing. And, right. you know, because, you know, the game goes on how the guys are playing. You know, if, if Djokovic or Alcaraz or Sinner or, you know, the, you know, the top four or five or six guys, you yeah. know, all of a sudden they're injured or losing them early because of the balls or, or whatever. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. Right. And uh, it seems silly, like other sports, you know, like, I mean, imagine like guys know that there's a certain ball going to be used in an event and then like they pull out because they don't want to risk it and hurt. Like if it got to that level or something, you know, and like you said it, it's, it's a money thing. It's got to be. It's like so much like the rest of tennis where like they can't have unity on a tour or this. They can never decide on anything because it's so many individual events owned by so many different people. You know, the tour doesn't actually own most of the events like we talked about before. But like, you know, imagine you're a golfer. Like your ball is everything. You know, you research it and you work with Titleist or TaylorMade and this is your ball and you play with it. And, or, or football, you know, they have the game balls. If, if you're at the home team, you know, they have the balls that they kind of want to play with because they're the home home team gets to choose it. Basketball is the same. They have the, you know, 40 balls on the right. rack, but they have the two or three game balls that they kind of rotate through. So it seems odd not to have like the best thing you think would be a universal ball for grass one for clay, one for hard, or like one for outdoor hard, one for, in, I don't know. But to have 20 or 30, you know, between 20 and 25 balls seems crazy. And yeah. the fact, and, and like you were saying, if it fluffs it up, do, doesn't that sound like it's something they're trying to do for the amateur? Like someone like me who goes out there and just wants to rally and keep a lot of balls in play, you know, not necessarily trying to make the tour. So like, hey, maybe we fluff the ball up and, and it makes it, you know, it promotes longer rallies and and all that stuff. But for for the tour, you don't want to do that. Well, then, but but you, I, I think you're right in saying that. But also, you know, what what about uh, when you're playing at Wimbledon or Australia or the U.S. Open or the French even, and uh, you got to close the roof? Yeah. Do you change balls then? I mean, I don't think so. I well, feel like you just I mean, have to, you have a Wimbledon it's, ball. It's di it's different conditions. Yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, you know, I don't think it's that much different where you would have to change the ball. But I mean, you know, well, you could talk about it, you know, but I just, but then that brings in more balls. Like we want less balls, not more. Well, there you go. yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Wow. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. What a time well, to be alive. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it just seems like something they should really think about and like put some uh, effort into figuring out because if you're beating up, I mean, like, dude, Alcaraz is 20. Or something, you know, like he's not like he's 33 and well, you know, everybody's going to have some wear and tear after 15 years on tour. He's 20. You know, Vondrasova right. is like 23 or whatever she is. Like, you know, like you don't want young players already breaking down because of like the ball. Like, you know, like right. it, it, it seems like it's something that's avoidable or at least something that can be minimized or made better with uh, with a little bit of research and, and effort. But do doesn't it seem like the, they, they put an awful lot of effort into the way they play anyway? You, mean, uh, you know, with the, you mean like the, the way style? They move. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, with the styles, with, you know, the, the way they whip the racket and, yeah, uh, and, and with the, with the top spin and the way they move and the way that, uh, you know, they can run 
you know, five or six or seven feet outside the court and still, you know, still get the racket around and hit a winner up the line. And it, it seems like a, a, an effort game anyway. Well, it's that, such a physical uh, sport playing. now. Uh, yeah. am, am I wrong with that? I mean, Federer played different uh, than the other guys. Somewhere down the line, you know, if you look at a lot of the guys, I mean, even even Joker, when he gets injured, what's injured? Is it his shoulder? Is it his elbow? Yeah. You know, what is it? It's true. He gets his elbow, even like not like bad, bad injuries sometimes, but just, you know, he'll get, he'll get treatment on it. And, you know, and I think it's, it's, you're right. It's probably just years of wear and tear. And then, you know, imagine how many different balls he's played with in his career. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well you know, like that's, a thousand that's or something. When, you know, when you span that many years and, and, uh, you know, and another thing is, you know, the, your record over the course of the tournaments do. I mean, if you're losing in the first or second round, that's one thing. If you're in the semis and finals every week, that's another. Right. You know, the the wear and tear is uh, is is something that all athletes gotta gotta watch out for that. You know, not only now when they're in the middle of their career or you know are coming to an end or whatever, but you know for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. You know, and how that affects them. You know, I hate to say it, brother, but I'm living proof of that. Yeah. Uh, you know that. You know, you're not afraid to go out and do it because when you're young, you're bulletproof. Nothing's going to bother you. You can fight through anything. You know, injuries. Ah, ah <laughs> I don't get injured. I'm, I'm I'm too strong for that. I'm bulletproof. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say that now. Right. But uh, you know, but you know, it's just it's an interesting conversation to have. And I I think you know, if the likes of Alcaraz and and you know some of the top players start talking about it, then you know something's gonna is going to be at the topic of conversation. I'm sure. Yep, we'll see what happens, who comes through ATP finals. I think center might pull it out. I think it would be uh, pretty cool. You know, there's been uh, some guys who have come up, you know, jumped up and won it. It's been one of their first big titles. Dimitrov comes to mind. Zverev's won it. Tsitsipas has also won it. So uh, if Joker doesn't win, I think uh, I think our guy center might, might take it home. We'll have to see uh, next week when we check in. There is no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. We streamline hiring with powerful tools that help you find matched candidates. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches the job description the moment they sponsor a job, according to Indeed Data US. You know what I love about the focus feature for Indeed is that it makes my searching easy and fast. I go to one spot, everything's there. Indeed's got me covered. Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search, according to US Indeed Data. We get you one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates. Indeed does the hard work for you, everybody. Indeed shows you candidates whose resume on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire a lot faster. Indeed's hiring platform matches you with quality candidates instantly. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com Connors. This offer is only good for a limited time, everyone. Better act quick. This offer is only good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash Connors. Look, just go to Indeed.com slash Connors and support the show, Advantage Connors, and let them know that you heard it here. Indeed.com slash Connors. 
Terms and conditions apply. Do you need to hire? Then you need Indeed. Let's move on to this story, golf. We haven't talked about it in a, in a while. So let's dive yeah. back into a golf story here. You said you wanted to talk about this on the show. So I researched it, looked it up, watched the highlights. Camilo Villegas? Yep. Comes back. First win, nine years, wins the Bermuda Championship after runner-up the week before in Mexico. Tell me about it. Tell me why you wanted to talk about it. Yeah, it's it's just an amazing story. I mean, you know, everybody goes through their life with, uh, you know, uh, hills and, and valleys and bumps and, and, and things that get in the way. But, I mean, he, he was at the top of the game. And you know, uh, well, I think he had, had won. Uh, he's won three. He had won three or four tournaments, and and was playing great golf. And you know, he was a very interesting character. Anyway, he would, you know, when he was reading a putt, he would get all the way down and it almost sprawl out on to get eye level with the ball to read the green. And you know, it was kind of interesting. You know, uh, uh, watching him play. Plus, you know, he was uh, he was an unbelievable player. Anyway. And, uh, you know, then he, you know, things happen and he and his wife had a daughter and, and she had gotten sick and that kind of takes up everything in your life. You know, the, the effort and the time that they were spending with their daughter and things that they were doing to try to get her better. And all of a sudden the golf, not that it wasn't important, but it wasn't, uh, you know, and, and, you know, his, his ranking plummeted and, you know, because he had uh, more important things on his mind, which was his family and his daughter, I followed the story, Brad, and it was an amazing story. And it's, you know, it, it was a sad ending. His, his uh, daughter passed away I, I, from cancer and, uh, brain, uh, you brain know, following cancer. the story, brain cancer. Yes. And, you know, to follow the story and, and uh, you know, the feeling that he and his wife were going through, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know how they felt, but I can only imagine you know, but now they have a, a two-year-old son, Mateo, and you know, for him, for him to come all the way back at forty-one, forty-one. You know, yeah, being over forty. Right. Shout out, guys over forty doing well. Let's go. Yeah, but for him <laughs> to come all the way back, you know, and uh, two weeks ago he finished uh, second, and then you know, last week for him to win, whoo, you know, a feel-good story. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I want to talk about that because there's not enough of that out there. You know, yeah. everybody wants to talk about the shit that that goes on and and you know the bad stuff and you know because that sells. This sells to me. You know, him coming back and getting to the you know back to the top of the game. You know, and winning a a, a major event. You know, after nine years, oh my God. Yeah. You know, and 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 to to see his his face and 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 the relief and just everything that went along with that, you know, and and the thoughts that were going through his mind, and uh, you know, I, listen, I'm talking about him, but there's you know, there's you know, so many, many, many other people that go through that same thing every day. Yeah. You know that that, that we don't talk about. You right. know that maybe we should. You know, because that's, you know, that's, that's what life is, you know, life isn't, you know, just winning Wimbledon's or, or, or winning the masters and all that, you know, you know, you know, life is, life's tough sometimes. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and it's, it's the way you fight through it and, you know, the sacrifices that you have to make. And, you know, sometimes, you know, it turns out to be disastrous, but, uh, you know, I was just so happy, you know, to, to have been able to watch that. 
and see that and root for him coming down the stretch. You know, don't fuck up. You know, don't mess up. Come on, get, get in the fairway. Yeah. You know, don't don't take any chances. Yeah. You know, I mean, I found I found myself, you know, sitting on the edge of my seat watching him play, rooting for him. Well, he had that. I saw he had the he had a two stroke lead, and then the conditions totally changed. It became like super windy. Which then made it good because then the guys chasing him can't play that aggressive. They almost have to start playing defensive, and you know, and he played well the last couple of holes. A uh, couple things on him that are Spider Man was his nickname. Remember because he's he would get down close to the ball and read it on all fours from Medellin, right. Colombia. Shout out Pablo Escobar uh, of the cartel. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, man, it's pretty cool to see. He had a quote I saw afterwards when they interviewed him. He said, "Golf has given me many great things." And it's kicked my ass along the way. And he said, life has given mm -hmm. me many great things. And it's kicked my ass along the way. And I just thought that was like yep. a really good way of summing life up and, and you know, sports too. Right. Where people think, oh, it's just a sport yeah. or it's just that. If you do it right, there's a lot of things in sports that you can pull out of it. A lot of life lessons that you can, you know, that are universal. So I don't care what the hell you're doing, a sport or business or family or, you know, whatever it is. And uh, yeah, it was cool to see him come through. How about this little bit of trivia? Yeah. His first title was all the way back in September of 2008 BMW Championship. Oh. Margin of victory, two strokes over. I'll give you $100 if you tell me who he beat by two strokes. All right, time's up. Phil Mickelson. Dudley Hart. Oh, yeah. you're kidding. Dudley, a shout out yeah. to Dudley, my buddy. Dudley Hart, from, yeah. uh, he's from oh. St. Louis, right? Uh, no, he's from Florida, but his oh, family that's right, was that's from right. Belleville. So that's how I met Dudley and got to play the AT&T at uh, Pebble Beach with him a, a number of years. And, uh, and we had a I great I feel like time. you guys got run, runner up or like tied for third one year. You guys had, you got pretty close to winning it one year. Yeah, but it wasn't due to me. <laughs> what a great name. <laughs> I wish I could say I'd lend some help, but he was a hell of a player. And I see he's... Um, Senior tour? Trying to think. Of, he's the coach of either Florida or Florida State. I can look it up their golf team and because uh, uh, I, I just saw them play a, a couple of weeks ago and and I saw him on uh, on the tube and it was good to see him out there playing. He was hit with some injuries too along the way and kind of cut his career a little bit short. Six career wins. Here's another one. He went to the University of Florida, Dudley. Vijegas went to the University of Florida. So he beat a fellow Gator for his first title. That's pretty funny. How yeah, about that's that? pretty good. Dudley yeah. Hart, one of the one of the pretty great good. sports names, right? I mean, that's a pretty good name. Dudley Hart. That's yeah. good. That's good stuff. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. All, happy all for your Vajegas and uh cool to see, you know, if he can keep it going. Because uh, I know a lot of people rooting for him and uh you could see just in the interviewer's eyes afterwards that he was almost touched by the fact that he was able to overcome all this stuff and and uh, you know, forty one yeah. coming. It's an amazing back. story. Great it's a great yeah. story. Great story for he and his family and and uh yeah, you know, and, and to be honest with you, it was a great story for me to nice. see. Sometimes you get lost along the way, and to see something like that it was pretty appreciative to see yep. that. All right, let's look at some uh, questions from uh, the listeners before I let you go. We'll go through these quick. Frank Kudla, at the end of a long year, how important is the tournament? Is this tournament, ATP Finals, to the players? Do they take it as seriously, or is it just another paycheck? I always thought the Masters was an end cap of the year. I feel like yeah. it's half and half. What do you think? I think you said it right. I think a lot of guys are begging to get there because, you know, they, they have a chance to win a, a big event to slide in there and maybe catch a couple of the top guys a little tired, you know, wanting to, you know, get some rest or, or whatever. But on the other hand, why go and play if you're not going to give it 100%? 
But I, I get it that, you know, we're in the middle of November already and the tennis is still going. And, you know, pretty soon, what are you going to do? You have to go down to Australia to play a couple of tournaments to get ready to play the Australian right. Open. You realize once when they stop, they literally maybe have like two weeks, you know, because like even once, once yeah. you get to Christmas, they're like already, you know, in Hawaii. Sometimes players go to Hawaii, train and then go to Australia or get to Australia and even celebrate down there. So, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy how short the offseason is. And then you see a guy like Tsitsipas who had to retire in his second match uh, yesterday against uh, Runa, against Holger Runa after like three games his back, I think, just gave out. He was barely able to walk off the court. And you're like, you know, some of this just has to be wear and tear, you know, mm -hmm. like it's a crapshoot who's going to be healthy after an 11 month season. And, you know, obviously everyone wants to go and probably win, but there's some guys who are like, look, I'm burnt, I'm done, you know? <laughs> and then there's guys who I think like Sinner, right. a guy like Sinner who's, you know, been playing great and, you know, is looking to catapult a little bit to this next level, you know, want, is hungry. And like once this event, it's in, it's in Italy, it's in front of his home crowd. So yeah, I think there's different, you know, mentalities. It's probably like half and half, just depending on how healthy you are. Yeah, here's here's another thought, Brad. Uh, what what do you think of this? What do you think about uh, the two groups of four in the round robin, like that, where you know e even even if you lose a match, you're still in it, and 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 you can still get to the semis and have a chance to get to the finals and win it. I, I think it's kind of cool because at least every match you're getting like a top eight versus another top eight player. You know, it's not like some mm -hmm. event where it's like you know they're playing high rank guys the tennis isn't good or whatever it is it's like even even if someone takes a loss you know it's a quality loss because everyone there is top eight you know it's it's all good matchups where it's like no matter who plays who those are all probably semi-final and final matchups throughout the year and now you're almost getting you know whatever it is however many you get uh, you know this week yeah, well we'll see we'll see what happens because there's been some interesting matchups and you know a lot a lot of things can happen with that round robin yep. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how the tournament ends up, and uh, we'll talk about yep. it next week. Djokovic, I think, has to win tomorrow. He plays her catch because Sitsi pulled out, so I think Joker probably still has to win to get to the semis. Center already there, and, and Med already there. All right, let's move on to how about this one? I thought this was kind of a good one, just because doing T two the last couple of weeks, I did T two. We had some great tennis. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of. Uh, Third set tiebreakers, tons of tiebreakers. We were jumping around a little bit like NFL red zone, trying to catch a, as much of the good tennis as we could. And this kind of popped up and, and caught my attention. Ger uh, Gerardo Hernandez said, how do you approach a final set tiebreak? He's like, I assume you would be nervous or did you try to go for the lines and attack? How did you avoid being too tentative or nervous with, and how did you deal with the stress? Well, you know, if you're in a, a fifth set tiebreak that, you know, you, you've come down to the end. So basically, you've, you've spent four, four and a half hours out there to get to that point. So now now's no time to you know, pull in the reins and be tentative, you know, or, or to get nervous. I mean, you've been through the tough part, you know, getting to the final set tiebreaker. Right. You know, and, and win, lose, or draw, Brett, for me, I was going to continue to play my game. If I had a chance to go for it, I was. And did it work sometimes? Yep. Did it not work sometimes? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the end result is... Yeah, you know, you, I I had my style. That's the way I wanted to play, and and that's what made me successful. So why should I change a game that made me successful? Right. Even though at times it did cost me, it did cost me, you know. But but uh, you know, I I wasn't going to walk off of there, especially if I lost, you know, and say, Jesus, I wish I'd have done that, or I wish I'd if, if I'd have just gone for that one shot. I wasn't going to do that. I wouldn't walk off of there and say, Man, I I, I let her rip. Yeah. 
that to me was was more important. And, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, I won some and I lost some, but, you know, I never walked off of there dissatisfied with myself. Nice. Here's a good one. Uh, David Isaacson said, compare the post-match handshakes today compared to when you played. It seems like in your day, it was more of a quick handshake. Today, it's hugs and smiles and conversation and respect. Do you remember it like ever switching or were there certain players when you would shake hands? You know, like I remember watching you play Panada once and like you, you both like scruffled each other's like hair, you know, because I could tell you guys were probably buddies off the court, you know. It right. seems like it probably depended on how well you knew the player, but uh, what do you think about it? Do you watch some of the matches now and, and, and notice the difference from when you played? Yeah, I think a lot of things have changed, uh, you know, since my day. That's one of them, uh, you know, the handshake, you know, the way you treat a win, the, you know, before, you know, you pack your bag up when you'd walk off and, you know, you know, that was it. You know, there was no bowing and, you know, going through all that. And, uh, you know, at least not from my standpoint. I had a few guys out there that, uh, you know, that, I mean, I, you know, I respected all the players. You know, maybe I didn't like them all, but I, I certainly respected them all for, you know, for their game and the way they played and, you know, what what they brought to brought to the court. You know, but you're right. I mean, it was uh, back then. It was it was quicker. You know, shake, shake, and and bake. <laughs> you know, shake and get off of there, yeah. and and uh, you know, win or lose. And and now it seems like it's more of a, you know, you take your time. You 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 know, you sign the TV screen. You sign this. You you, you know, you go balls. out. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a lot more of a celebration than probably it was back in my day. Right. You know, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's what it, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it, you're right, is that they then it usually goes into an interview, so the player sits there, and they tell them to sit there, and they hit the balls, and so it's like, and then a lot of, it seems like a lot of players are probably better friends in a lot of ways, where there's so much goddamn money in the sport now that all these guys are buddies. There's <laughs> yeah. like not as much of a, I don't know, obviously everyone's competitive, but I feel like it was more, since there wasn't that much money back in the 70s when the sport was really taken off, that... You didn't want to be friends with maybe everybody. I don't know. That, that's just my so I, I made I made a comment one time that I said, you know, I go out there. I said, they're, they're trying to take, you know, a food out of my kid's mouth. <laughs> you know, and I got criticized for that. But, you know, but I wasn't far wrong. Right. Uh, right. You know, back then playing, you know, you know, when you're back there playing and you're making 1200 bucks a week, that's, uh, you know. Right. But even I, I, I made more, I made more than that back in Belleville, you know, when I was uh, getting the snow off the sidewalks. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, but, but also like you're also fighting for like maybe the one potential sponsor deal or like the one big blank deal or the, the Vegas match headline or the exhibition headline, you know, like you're, you were like fighting to be maybe out of, there was only one potential thing you were all fighting for. And now maybe there's like eight. Or there's five, or there's more of it because there's more money and it's it's become more mainstream. And the business of sports is is like such a beast, and it is what it is because it's been doing it now for for a long time. So, well, yeah, uh, you know, uh, uh, money changes everything, Brad. Yeah, you, you know, and, and uh, you know, changes the attitude and guys now. Uh, you know, before they even go out and win a uh, win a tournament, you know, they're making they're they're making big contracts. Yeah, already. On you the, know, on, on the, the if come. Come. yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, so you know that 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 changes everything. That changes your attitude. It uh, sometimes good and sometimes bad. Yep. Uh, you know, it might, it might make you uh, a more friendly guy. <laughs> you, right. you know, if, if 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 that's if that's your cause, you know. But does it give you that grind when you're four all in the fifth and and uh, you know you got to lay it on the line or you know are you willing to stay in there and continue to grind it out for? For whatever long it takes, or are you going to say, "Well, shit, I just signed a big contract. I'm good," right? You know, so 
it kind of it, it kind of works in both ways. Uh, you, you know, I mean, I kind of wish, you know, that I would have had the chance to make that decision myself. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know, but yeah. uh, that wasn't back then. You know, you go out and you, you know and, and you play until you're dead. You know, back in the old days. Yep. And that's the way. That's the way I thought about it anyway. I you like know, it. Which is kind of, you know, kind of my legacy anyway, which I kind of like. Boom. Okay, quick. Sean, Kevin, don't be long here. Just, do okay, you, did you one. feel more comfortable playing indoors or outdoors? You had a great record, both, both. But what if, if you saw a tournament coming up and would you rather be indoors or out? I loved playing indoors. I loved it because back then it was called a Supreme Court. It was a little uh, a surface put over either uh, boards or ice, and the ball bounced low, and it was quick. And I love playing that. I love playing on the indoors on that surface. Nice. Nice. And that's kind of what you kind of grew up. The armory is almost an you know, indoor surface, that hard wood, just learning to play there. Like, geez, that must have been like ice. Right. You know, taking the ball on the rise, taking it early and, and uh, you know, trying to, to be more aggressive, you know, take the ball out of the air, you know, when even when you're in a backcourt rally and, you know, trying to, you know, always push forward, you know, and, and I had two great coaches with that. Your grandma was, you know, who taught me that, but also Pancho Segura, you know, who yeah. kept preaching to me along the way. Don't forget. Don't forget. You can move forward. Never forget that. <laughs> Right. You know, and, and, uh, and catch your opponent a little bit off guard. So, yep. yeah, paying right. doors at the Army in St. Louis was a good lesson. Yep. That's a good, good place to learn and, and to master that, dude. especially with uh, all the indoor tournaments there used to be back in the day with that fast surface. It must have been awesome. Arthur King, your boy from Montecito, Santa Barbara. What was your first car that you drove, legal or illegally? What was the first car that you drove around? Legal or illegal? Oh, well, I, I'll go back to, uh, let's see, it was a 1955 Chevy, I think. 1955 Chevy? That, Yeah, that had a, a three on the column, a three shifter on the column. And uh, that was your, it was your great grandma's. And yeah, but, you know, back then it was a different time. I was driving, you know, when, when we were kids, you know, yeah. and, and uh, you know, learning how to do that. And, and yeah, I think it was a 1955 Chevy, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but I want to have to look it up because I know I have a picture of it somewhere. But, uh, yeah, nice. that was uh, I learned how to drive a, 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 a manual at a very young age. And yeah. I still like it. I still love uh, a, man, a manual shift. Yeah. Yeah, you got your your BMW has the manual, and it's I, I like watching you when you drive. I know you enjoy doing it. Yeah, um, fun to do. Yeah, for sure. All right, last thing, not a question, but uh, something I saw that I mean, I know you don't like to travel, especially when it's golf. It's a lot of work to get places, but I saw a course that caught my eye. It's called the Skakuza Golf Course in Kruger Park, which is in which is in South Africa. Oh yeah, and it's a it's a golf course that's literally it's just open to the wildlife. Like it, it might have lions on the first tee, elephants by the green, hippos in the water. It's just got everything. It's got it's got pictures of uh of jackals. It's got you know wildebeest here, hyenas there. It looks pretty surreal, and I can't believe it, it says you have to sign like a a, a waiver. <laughs> Essentially, like you know, right. say, "Hey, man, if you get eaten by some lions out there, it's not on us." Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and your and, and your caddy is carrying a shotgun. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. I mean, uh, that would that would be amazing to play. Uh, I had been to South Africa a number of times, Breder, and and was on a safari and, and had a great time, and uh, just saw 
that they had an event uh, down at it's in Sun City, where, you know, where you see some of the animals running along. But uh, man, that would that would be amazing to go out and play that course and and uh, and be able to see the wildlife along with it. It, it almost would detract from playing the golf. I, I'd rather go there and take your drone and and uh, and and your cameras and and uh, go out there and. And, and shoot a documentary. Definitely, <laughs> you know that would that would be even better. But uh, and you'd have to bring like you'd have I'm to bring call us. Call my friend David Schneider, who is from who is from South Africa. Yeah, call Schnittles. Tell him to, to tell him to hook it up. I was just going to say you'd have to have like a spotter there. You'd have to have one or two guys just like with a head on a swivel and like binoculars, just like constantly searching for anything that could come out of the bushes at you. Right, and and I, I I hit a lot of balls in the rough. I wouldn't be going to find my ball either. <laughs> mulligan, I, I just, uh, I'd be dropping one and, and the mulligan, <laughs> right? But but that would be amazing. And uh, in, in Kruger National Park is is one of the great uh, you know safari spots ever. So you know if anybody ever has a chance to go there, do it. Yeah, sounds awesome. All right, pops, I'm letting you go. I'm going to go help uh, Molina cook with Isabella and uh, hang out. We stopped our Hulu subscription and we got Amazon Prime. We're late to the Amazon oh, yeah. Prime game. But uh, there's a show that on it that's actually pretty funny that we uh, binged watch in like three nights. It's called Jury Duty. And um, it's like a reality, it's kind of reality, but it's scripted show where everybody in the show is an actor. And uh, except for one guy, it's like one normal dude from San Diego does like solar panels, just like a total normal dude, chill dude. And he thinks he's doing some sort of like jury duty documentary and uh, everybody's an actor and it's just like everything's filmed and it's just, it's pretty funny and they do a really good job. It, it kind of reminds you of the office. So anybody who likes the oh, office good. out there, it's uh it's pretty funny. It's worth a, a look on Amazon prime. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll check it out. I'm going to have a lot of time, a lot of downtime. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get on it. I'll check it out. <laughs> well, we'll have some fun when I come up next week for, uh, for Thanksgiving. We'll, uh, you know, I'll, We'll keep you busy. We'll play some some cards and and uh, watch some football, gamble a little bit on it, and uh, and podcast, and and we'll keep you busy. We'll keep you busy. Don't worry about it. I know you will. I know you will. <laughs> it's always good, Bill. Can't wait to see you next uh, next week for Thanksgiving, Brett. And in the meantime, uh, follow me at Jimmy Connors on Twitter and Yep Brett underscore Connors uh, on Twitter. Uh, follow us uh, at ADV Connors for our podcast. And yeah. That sounds give good. The girls a, give the girls a hug and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. I couldn't have said any better next. My, couldn't have said any better myself. We'll talk <laughs> to everyone next week. Peace. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.